0: Well, welcome again to, to Fellowship of Grace. Uh, for those of you who may not know, my name is Derek. I'm the pastor of family and discipleship here at Fellowship of Grace. And we're excited to have you here this morning. We're going to be continuing on in our fear series. Uh, but first off, I know, I know many of you uh, aren't going to pay attention until you have the, the, the latest update on Dave. You've been praying and worried about him over the last week. Uh, pastor Michael will come at the end and give you a few more details. But he is home. Uh, Dave, for those of you who may not know, is one of our deacons in our church one of the most beloved men in our church, um, had a massive heart attack last weekend, and it's been, a, been kind of a, a crazy week. Uh, his daughters are here today, and uh, we're excited to, to have him back home in Kansas City. He, he's doing better, resting. Uh, thank you for your prayers for him, and um, Pastor Michael will we'll give you the, the rest of the needed information here towards the end of the service. Um, well, this morning, as I said, we're going to continue on in this fear series uh, and look at the one I get to tackle, the fear of intimacy, the fear of intimacy. Now, the intimacy is kind of a funny word, you know, you think of it, it, it almost causes an immediate sort of reaction in most of us. You know, even when I say the word intimacy, you know, the guys, a lot of the guys in the room are like, yeah, no more eye contact, we're, we're going to start, we kind of get squirmy a little bit when we hear that. And, and you know, when I think of this word, uh, I think of it like in this font, right? In- intimacy like you it, it just looks like it should be like that it doesn't look like it should be like bold aerial like that just that just doesn't fit the word it should be should be like this and I think um honestly when we when I talk about intimacy most of our minds jump to to, to one thing we we think about sex we think about physical intimacy right well I I don't know if this will disappoint you or reassure some of you but the sermon is not going to be a sermon all about sex uh, not because God doesn't talk about it, not because it's important, but but intimacy really is, is so many more, it's so much more, there's so much more to it with spiritual intimacy, emotional intimacy, and true intimacy, uh, it just involves so many more aspects of our lives. But I think maybe what we should do is just say, I'll say the word intimacy out loud together to break any sort of awkwardness that you still may feel with me, because I'm going to have to say it more throughout the sermon, okay? So, so one, two, three, we're going to say intimacy. One, two, three, intimacy. Oh, wow. Wow, that was good. Very good. So hopefully we can, we can go from there. All right, so, so we're going to kind of broaden this way that we talk about intimacy this morning. Um, and, and really the fact is that every close Relationship that we have it, it provides this attachment kind of a bond or connection we have with another person And it's essential for our survival and our growth as an individual now in the 1930s and 40s a, a british psychoanalyst uh, Named Robert uh, Bolesby, or John Bolesby, Sorry um, Came to, uh, along and he, he he made the case for people that Relationships really mattered a lot more than people previously realized so he, he did a lot of extensive research and study and proposed that babies, so starting very young, babies required a protective caregiver, not just for the food and sustenance they could get to to live their lives and to survive, but also from the relationship or the bond that was formed between the baby and the caregiver. Now, later, one of his colleagues, Mary Ainsworth, took his findings a little bit further and provided some additional research. Um, She actually set up this uh, technique and developed this technique called the strange situation. Now, the strange situation was a lab kind of experiment for studying parent-infant attachment. Now, in the strange situation, the official title, 12-month-old infants and their parents are brought into this laboratory, and and then they're systematically separated from and reunited with one another. Now, when I first read about this, I'm like, that sounds a lot like the church nursery. So maybe we should call the church nursery like the strange situation ministry. A strange situation ministry where we give kids off, we separate them, and bring them back, and see how they react, and try to hand them off to the people. But I, I don't think Pastor Michael is going to go for that name change. So, um, but it, it is kind of interesting. And what they saw in this strange situation experiment is that they they categorized these children into three separate areas. The first one was those were those that had secure attachment. Now, these children, when when their parents left, they they were very upset. They were upset when the parent left the room, but when the parent returned, they actively sought after the parents and were comforted when, when the parent or, or caregiver came back. The next was next category was called insecure-resistant. Now, these children, they were very, very distressed upon the parents leaving, and, and when the parents came back after a certain amount of time, they, they had difficulty being soothed. They, they just couldn't, couldn't control themselves and... and and in a lot of cases, we're, were kind of showing conflicting emotions. They, they wanted to be cared for, they wanted to be calmed down, but at the same time, they, they wanted to kind of punish their parents in, in some ways, punish their parents for, for leaving them. And then the third category was was insecure, avoidant. Now these children were, were not distressed at all by their parents leaving the room, and when their parents came back in, they were kind of like, "Yeah, whatever." hi, mom, or whatever, and they just kind of kept playing their toys, showed no sort of uh, really attachment to them at all. It was insecure, avoidant. Now, the results of their findings from doing this in an extensive way were, were, were pretty remarkable. They, they laid the foundation for um, just a lot of the study about infant development, infant brain development, and, and how important the first few months of a child's life are in terms of how they are cared for and the, some of the resulting effects uh, the, the statistics showed that about 60% of the kids were were secure attached had a secure attachment and then about 20% in each of the other categories now you know honestly when i first read some of these statistics and Started to learn about uh, attachment theory and parent-child uh, relationships. I was a little skeptical at first, honestly. Like, you know, I had a kid, and we just, it just—it just kind of happens. I think we're overcomplicating it. It just—it's kind of crazy. But then, when we, after we had uh, two kids, uh, my wife and I, and they're now seven and five, we we adopted our third son, Gideon, uh, last year uh, from Ethiopia. And I honestly saw these three attachment things played out in real life, very, very specifically. Um, when he came home he he was uh, very, very avoidant to us whenever we would come back or whenever we would try to help him he, he his shutdown mechanism he would just close his eyes and just kind of just do away with the world and, and avoid us, go to sleep, um, which was very very helpful on the flight back from Ethiopia for my wife Anna because he slept most of the way, um, so she was thankful for that, but we 've had to work on it since then um, and then also he 's gone through some phases where where he was he would just be very uh, resistant, very very insecure resistant and, and it was so much so that whenever, and he didn't do it as much with me, but with Anna, she was the, kind of the first person to, to go pick him up and, and bring him back and, and anytime she would leave and come back he, we literally had to, to make sure that he wasn't near a wall, we had to basically give him a big bear hug so that he didn't go bang his head somewhere and hurt himself because he, he would basically show him like uh, trying to punish us or punish my wife for leaving him and coming back. And, and it was just, I mean, it's so sad. You know, one time we, we even had Anna shut the front door, stand on the front porch, and open it three seconds later, and it's the same exact reaction from him. He just he wanted to flail, throw his body everywhere. And it's just, it's so interesting to see how, how this happens in real life. And some of you may, may be able to see children that, that have some, that are categorized in these three certain ways. And we're, we're certainly no expert parents or anything like that, but we're, we're trying to learn and you know, I think the what's the real reason I'm sharing all this stuff with you? Is it for all of you moms to be like stressed and worried now? Like, well, what if my kid doesn't cry when I give her to the nursery in the morning? That she's insecure? No, no, that's not it. That's not it. Really, what, what I'm the real reason I want to ex- explain it to you is is because as I learn more about this, and, and as I just live longer, you know, I'm mid 30s. The 40s are getting closer than the 20s, and I'm I'm getting like really grown up. I feel like. And so the longer I live life, like, I'm realizing that, that I think that, that I'm convinced that a lot of us as adults deal with some attachment issues. We don't, we don't outgrow them. Now, they, they look a lot different than screaming child in a car seat flailing throwing a temper tantrum uh, for most of us, They're very different than that, but... But you know, it's, you know, as we explore this idea of intimacy and close relationships, I think there's some similarities that we can see even from observing children at a very early age. You know, we are wired for relationships. We're created. We've talked, um, we talk about that a lot, about how we're wired for community. We're wired for relationships. That's just how God's created us. You know, we see that from the very beginning, how, how God created man to be in relationship with him and his image. And then soon after that, after man was created, he created a helper for man because it wasn't good for man to be alone. It was good for him to be in a, a relationship. So, so we see that, and, and, and so we're wired for it, but, but the truth is relationships are just really messy. Like, you know, how easy would life be if there weren't other people, right? Like, if there just weren't other people, I mean, it would be hard in some ways too, but, but it, you know, relationships are just messy, distorted. Uh, they're, they're often a challenge, and the problem is really... Uh, in a most basic way, is there's a lack of real intimacy that we have, a, a lack of a bond, closeness that we, we experience with one another, and it's mostly because we're afraid of it. We're afraid of it, but our situation is not hopeless, um, and we're going to look at that. We're going to kind of look at what intimacy is for a couple minutes then see um, kind of why we're afraid of it, why we're afraid of it when we don't want to be, and then what it looks like and how we can overcome it. So as we get started, I want us to look at the verse that we've uh, kind of, as we jump into the intimacy talk, uh, um, this verse that we've gone over at, before every sermon over the last couple of weeks in the series. Pastor Michael is encouraging you to memorize it over the last couple of weeks, so let's read. For God gave us spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Now how many of you, if you close your eyes, you could say it? Anybody haven't memorized yet? Pastor Michael, good, 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 good. Okay, we got a couple. We got a couple, couple. So, so for the test next week, because it's the last week of the sermon series, um, I want to give you some help. Want to give you some help? Now, I want you to. I'm going to teach you some motions for this verse. Very simple. Uh, you might want to put your pen down so you don't stab yourself, though. So, put your pins down. Um, and and I want I want you to do it. So it's going to go like this. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear. So you shake your head. Yeah, you can practice if you want. I'm going to have you do it in a second. All right. So you not a fear but of power, no, 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 I messed it up already, but of power, (laughs) but of power, of love, and of self-control, so you kind of just, kind of calming yourself down, all right, so pretty easy, you can do it sitting down, don't even have to stand up, Um, but I I didn't tell people to put their pins down in the first service, I think we had some injuries, so, so, um, put your pins down, and let's do it together, okay, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, so shake your head no, but of power, of love, and of self-control, all right, very good. So that should help you next week when, when you have the test. I think, I don't know if it's the beginning or end of the verse. It, 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 it's just the truth in it is, is really powerful. And I hope it can be an encouragement to you as, as you think about how to overcome the different fears in your life. So what is intimacy? What is it? Uh, well, really, uh, it, it's pretty simple. Intimacy. Into me c, Intimacy. intimacy. That's really, you just say the word a little bit different with kind of a, I don't know if that's a southern accent or something, but into me see, that, that's what it means. It's to know and to be known by someone. To know and to be known. Intimacy is the foundation, kind of the core of our relationships. It, it's, it's honestly even more than that. It's really the goal, the outcome of what every healthy relationship should look like. Now in his book, The Soul Cravings, Erwin McManus has this quote about intimacy and love that I think is really powerful and kind of gets us thinking. And it says this. It says, We are most alive when we find it, most devastated when we lose it, most empty when we give up on it, most inhuman when we betray it, and most passionate when we pursue it. So intimacy, love, our relationships with other people. They're extremely important. God created us to experience relationships in, in an uninhibited kind of way where, where we don't have to put up walls between other people and us, where we, we don't have to second guess ourselves with each other. Um, you know, He, he created us to, to have relationships that last, that, that aren't just okay, aren't just on a Facebook level types of friendships and relationships, but close, life-giving, soul-enriching relationships. That's what we were designed for. That's what we were designed for. So if God's wired us this way, and we, we do have this deep desire, I, I think if we really search ourselves, we can say, well, I want to be close to people. I want to be closer to, to my friends. I want to grow in intimacy with my spouse or whoever. Um, why do we have so much trouble with it? Well, a couple of reasons that, that I think are very basic. One is sin. Sin is kind of the, the negative answer to, to a lot of life's problems. But on a deeper level, sin, what it did is it, it fractured our ability to connect with God, all right? So, so when man sinned and, f- and fell, disobeyed God, we, we, our relationship with God before then was perfect. We had, we had a healthy relationship, an intimate relationship with God, but sin destroyed that. It, it, it disrupted it in a way that was almost, but thankfully not, irreparable. And, and so that affects all of our relationships to connect with others. It, it, you know, our, if our horizontal or vertical relationship with God is broken, it affects all of our horizontal relationships with others. Also, the, the pain of broken relationships in our past makes it hard for us. It, it, it makes us fearful in a lot of ways to, to want to be close to people again. What if I get hurt? What if, I, what if they do this to me? They, they don't do this to me. Like, it, it's a challenge, and I know many of us have experienced pain. Um, in great, great ways. You know, last week, Pastor Michael talked about the pain of regret and how it's just, man, it, it's a pain that it, it's, it's hard to come back from. And it's one of the deepest pains we can feel. But I, I also think the, the deepest pain, one of the deepest pains we can feel is the pain of a broken relationship. And, and it, there's a lot of different levels of that. But, you know, I, would, I just want to say a word of encouragement to those of you who are, are experiencing that now or have experienced and maybe still and in some way stuck in that uh, pain of a broken relationship that 's keeping you from getting close to others that, to really just you know that, those are the times where, where God just shows himself faithful and when you can rest in his just just the the, tr- uh, the faithfulness the trust that you can have in god it, it will help you as you press into that forgiveness whatever whatever you can do to, to make the situation right and then leave the rest in God's hands and, and allow his grace and love to, to flow through you to other people. Um, I would just encourage you to do that. And if you need prayer or anything like that, feel free to, to write those on their connection cards. We'd love to uh, help you out with that. Um, so there are you know, a couple reasons why we're afraid. Sin affects our ability to connect with God, which affects our ability to connect with others. We're, we're just kind of afraid because what does this fear of intimacy look like? Well, a couple of things that the fear of intimacy kind of ways it causes us to behave um, first one is this: is it causes us to be distant, it causes me to be distant. Now we see it back in the story of creation and the fall of man back in, in Genesis. Um, the man and woman had a perfect relationship with God, um, no sin, and they're they're here in charge of the garden. Uh, they can eat of any tree except for the one. The serpent comes in, deceives Eve. Adam falls right in line behind her, and they disobey. They disobey God's command. And that relationship with God is broken. And we see in verses 9 and 10 of Genesis chapter 3, this this distance already beginning to form. Let's read together. It says this, But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And I told myself, and I hid myself sorry. You know, this causes us uh, to want to keep people at an arm's length away. You know, the the shame that just comes from sin, uh, this fear of intimacy, it wants us to keep people away. You know, you picture the the insecure, avoidant toddler that we talked about at the beginning, just ones like, yeah, Uh, very avoiding contact with their caregiver, parents, um, just keeps on playing. A lot of us as adults just in some ways, don't we avoid relationships at all costs, close ones. We avoid close relationships at all costs. And, and sometimes it's not super obvious. Sometimes the most distant people are the ones that have the most people around them. Right? Sometimes they have the most friends, the most connections. It doesn't have anything to do with you if you're an extrovert or introvert or anything like that. But they may have plenty of width in their relationships but no depth. You know, I think... One of the reasons this is dangerous, the space that we kind of, this barrier that we put around ourselves is because it it creates the space that a lot of junk can get into. And sometimes it's good junk, sometimes it's bad junk, sometimes it's, you know, you think about stuff that, um, your career, your accomplishments, your busyness, all this stuff that you kind of surround yourself with that is really a barrier for people to get to know you, a barrier for you to get to know other people. And, you know, even if it's, maybe, maybe it's something like your sense of humor. You just, you're a funny person, so you, you make people laugh, but it, it kind of puts up this barrier, this wall for people to get to know the real you, and you kind of use that. And so that, that's, that space is very, very dangerous. Now, I, I think another thing, another way that this fear of insecurity causes us to behave is it, it makes us defensive, It makes us defensive, not only distant, but defensive. We see this played out in in the story of Adam and Eve, again, in verses 12 and 13 here. It says, the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So Adam's going, nope, her fault, Eve's fault. Eve's going, nope, his fault, the serpent's fault, you know, playing the blame game. This, this blame game that, that we, in order to avoid responsibility, ownership, in order for anybody to get to know the real us, uh, we, we deflect attention, we deflect that responsibility towards others in, in a very negative sort of way. So those are just a couple of ways that, that maybe this fear works itself out in our lives. But I want to spend the rest of our time looking at how, how we overcome it. How, how do we overcome this fear of intimacy? Uh, this fear of getting close to another person. All right, the first thing here is this. You must take a prayerful relational risk for an intimate relational return. You must take a prayerful relational risk for an intimate relational return. You know, in order for genuine closeness, genuine intimacy to be achieved, you can't be in control. You, you can't have the ace up your sleeve. You can't hold the upper hand. You, you have to take a prayerful risk. And what's always involved with the risk, in this case, it, we have to be vulnerable. We have to be vulnerable. And that's hard. That's very hard to do. Um, and I, and I want to encourage you to, um, you know, as you, as you think about, um, growing closer to other people, whether it's your spouse, improving your relationship with them, or, or a friend or family member in your closeness, uh, to, to really pray and ask God for wisdom and guidance just about maybe conversations that you need to have or anything like that because, because since you do make yourself vulnerable, um, there, there's unhealthy ways that you can do this. A couple of cautions. You, you, you want to avoid premature intimacy, uh, which happens a lot in our, in our culture today. Premature intimacy, um, you know, basically so, so many people are engaging in, in this kind of premature forms of intimacy that they settle for what feels like real intimacy, but really it's just a false intimacy that they've experienced. Um, you know, when you think of the marriage uh, relationship, true intimacy, it, it, it's, it's all about laying your life down to serve the other person, submitting and being, being to you, uh, being to them in a covenant of marriage and, you know, and, and then when you, when you do that with another person, with your spouse, then you're able to give yourself fully to them in, in a way that God has designed. Now, now, what happens most of the time in our culture that many of you are, are familiar with is, you know, guy meets girl, girl meets guy, and so they exchange phone numbers and have a dinner, maybe, and in, in, instantly become physically intimate. Now, that, that physical intimacy causes them to feel a sort of false intimacy, where where they kind of forget the rest of the relationship and, and don't work on the emotional or the spiritual intimacy, and and over time this false intimacy fades away, uh, and the relationship has nothing to fall back on or stand on, and, and it often is a very destructive and uh, devastating. It has those consequences that are just so damaging. Um, so, so don't expect intimacy to, to happen overnight. Work for it, wait for it. You know, A couple of real practical things, if maybe you're in here and you're single and you hope to be married someday, I, I would encourage you, we can't emphasize enough, good premarital counseling. Good premarital counseling where you get to explore some things that are, are much easier to deal with in the context of, of premarriage than they are marriage and, and can kind of set you on a, the right path. Um, I would encourage you to just seek other friends who, who love God and can spur you on uh, to, to love him more. Uh, another thing is to avoid immature intimacy. So not only premature intimacy, but, but immature. And what I mean by immature intimacy is the, the tendency that some of us have to, as we get close to people, we, we kind of uh, just kind of hunker down with them and we've got our one or two friends and, and we're, we, we don't really you know, talk to anybody else. We kind, we kind of just um, have our little clique that we associate with. And, and obviously, you, you can't be intimate with 100 people in this room or whatever. You can't, you can't be intimate with everybody. You can't have a close relationship with them. Um, but at the same time, we, we are called in Scripture to, to be united, united with other believers, and we, we instantly have a connection with others that, that follow Christ. And, and so you, you have to be careful for that. I think a great um, quote that really describes what, what good friendship, what like good biblical friendship should be about is this. It says, Friends are those who stand not face-to-face, absorbed in each other, but side to side, absorbed in a common interest. And I think for us, as believers, we have a common mission. We have a common mission. So we stand side by side, not not absorbed in each other, but side by side on a common mission, headed in the same direction. So the last thing today to uh, achieve intimacy, uh, or or kind of how to overcome this fear of intimacy, is this, before you risk, you must find security, acceptance, and intimacy in Christ. Before you risk, you must find security, acceptance and intimacy in Christ. Now I want to give you three steps under this those last blanks on your on sermon notes there. First step is this how do we achieve this intimacy with Christ First one is this embrace the truth that intimacy with God has no contenders. all right this is this is a big one this is is a big one because, we might say, yeah, my love for God is supreme, it is the best, but in real life, we don't live out like that. So, so you look at the greatest commandment found in, in several places, but here in Matthew 22, verses 37 38 says, and he said to him, this is Jesus talking, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. So nothing else in our lives should, should compare to our love for God. You know, when you think about it even logically, um, so when you think about who God is and how he created us, how he designed us, he knows us better than anybody ever could or ever will. Better than your spouse. I know some of your sp- you, you guys are close and you think your spouse knows everything about you. God knows even more. And, and because of that, he can, you can experience intimacy with him in a way that is uh, almost indescribable and it doesn't compare to any of our earthly relationships Intimacy with God through Jesus is, is the most rewarding and life-changing thing that you can experience. But, but you have to embrace this truth that, that other things don't compare. It just, you know, the Bible talks about how, how you're to hate your father and mother in a sense in comparison to your love for Christ. I mean, we, we, we have close bonds with one another. We, we have close relationships and, and connection with each other, but, but it's all flows out of this deep connection we have with God, or it should. You know, the fact that, um, the fact is that intimacy with Christ can't be achieved when, when our relationship with him is just one of the many things in our life that battle for our attention. Until our relationship with Christ really consumes our affections, consumes our attention, uh, we're, we're really gonna come up short on improving our relationships or our intimacy with others. So what else can we do? Uh, step two pretty simple. Uh, spend time with God. Spend time with God. Probably never heard that in a sermon before, have you? Um, it's very simple, but but I, I, I'm i preaching to myself, too. I mean, I've heard that a ton of times, but I, I think it's something that we, we we just need to be reminded about all the time. I mean, you think about the people that you're close to. Them. You, you've spent time with them, you know them, and, and that's what we, we need to do with God. You know, um, one of my, or my wife works part-time for the Park Hill School District is, uh, in their parents' teacher's program. And a lot of the, mainly her job is to just go into families' homes and to see, uh, talk to the parents, see if she can help them with their preschool and underage kids, observe them a little bit and share resources with them that the school district can offer. And and she loves it, and she's, she's awesome at it. And a lot of times she'll go in and, and take random uh, activities and objects. This one is one of the more fancy ones. A lot of them are like homemade Parmesan cans with little fuzz balls that just to assess like fine motor skills and and things like that. So she'll go in and kind of observe the kids playing with these fancy Lego 2.0 things and and just kind of see 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 how they're growing, developing, how they are. Um, connecting with their parents, so their parents play with them, that sort of thing, and and really coach the parents in a sense of just some very simple ways that they can help with their child. Now, um, you know, she gives them some ideas through these tools. I want to give you just a simple tool uh, on how to connect with God, with our Heavenly Father, because he has already done enough to to connect with us. So, So basically, it just takes a Bible, okay? Book, I think most of you should have one in your house, so, and then you just, you kind of hold it, you can do it sitting down too, and you just open it, okay? You open it, and then you just look at it, you gotta look, look down, look down, and then you see the words and you read them, okay? Read them, it's, I know it's complicated, but you, you read them, and then you think about them, you pray about them, you have to be, you have to be intentional about it. But this, this is just a simple tool that, that we all should be doing uh, to connect with God, spending time in his word, praying through his word. Just, just read some of the Psalms, and pray through them, a prayer of your own. And, you know, it's, it's so simple, so basic, but, but this is really one of the foundational disciplines that we can, we can pursue, that we can participate in, that will strengthen your intimacy with God and with Jesus. So I want to challenge you today to, to do, put it in your calendar. Spend time with God, whether it's your morning person, night person, whatever. Spend time with God. Make it a priority and be intentional about it. All right, last thing here is spend time with other believers. Spend time with other believers. In Hebrews, it talks about how we are to consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds, how we as a church can come together and just encourage one another. Uh, For those of you who, who are... Christ followers, and you have other friends, other close friends that are Christ followers, hopefully you've been able to experience this kind of synergy that happens when, when two people are side by side, facing the same direction, on mission together, how you encourage and inspire one another to, to love God more, to, to want to serve Him in greater ways. Uh, that God, God has designed this community aspects of our lives to, to work like that. And this bond and connection that we feel, it, it often can almost knit us together in a tighter way than our earthly families. You know, I, I, we think of the situation that just happened with, with Dave last week and just hearing the, the horrible news and not knowing what the outcome would be and uncertainty and just seeing how many of you, I know, that, that love them, love their family, how you rallied around them in prayer and support. And, and, and you know, I think of that, that bond that we have. I mean, it was, it was like a, more than a family member, what um, was was going through that and experiencing the the pain and the uncertainty so I want to challenge you to, t- to take your next steps in relationships uh, take what, whatever it could be maybe it's to join a community group you know we have the community group signups they begin this week and you know speaking of community groups and intimacy I just want to share this real quick I know some of you have heard it before but a few years ago when my five-year-old son Josiah was two or three and just learning to talk he He uh, had trouble saying community groups, so it came out co-nudity groups, co-nudity groups. And that was very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Um, And we were always afraid. Thankfully, it never happened that like our neighbors would hear. He'd go tell you know be talking out in the yard or something and hear hear us him talk about that and be like, oh, that's what's going on on those Thursday night. All those cars are over there. Luckily, that never happened. But, but, and I want to reassure you that, that that's not the type of intimacy we have in our community groups. So you can still sign up. You don't have to be, be afraid. Um, I know many of you still need to, so, so go do that before you leave today. But that, that's just a, a step you can take to start to do life with one another. Get to know people. Uh, begin those relationships and those steps towards some deep friendships that, that will last. I encourage you to do that. Maybe you can join a core group, which is, we have uh, several people in our church meeting together in smaller discipleship groups accountability and encouragement and Bible study. Um, you can just write core group on the back of your connection card if you would like to do that. Or you know, Maybe it's just something as simple as go, uh, texting a friend that you haven't talked to in a while, texting a friend that you maybe have talked to a lot lately but, but have not gone deep with at all and say, let's go have coffee and don't talk about the weather or sports or any sort of other random gossip or anything like that, but go deep with them. Say, okay, so how are you, how are you doing? How's your relationship with God? Well, what's something that you've been learning? What's something that God's been teaching you lately? Like, like get below the surface. Maybe that's just to have coffee with a friend and, and, and do that. Maybe it's for those of you who are married to sit down and, and explore ways that you can improve your, your spiritual intimacy or, or your emotional intimacy or your physical intimacy. You know, and guys, you should do it in that order. Explore them in that order, all right? You get it later. Um, and and work, together, work together on your relationship. But maybe that's your next step. Maybe that's your next step in in, um, spending time with others and using community as a tool to help you achieve intimacy with Christ. Now, the last verse I want to leave you with today, hopefully it rings in your head uh, throughout this week because it's great. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. All right, so what was this verse saying? Well, I, like, I really like how it ends there. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So if you claim to be a Christ follower and you are experiencing fear, um, you need to be reminded, remind yourself that, that you have been perfected in love through the love of Christ. You've been perfected. And, and due to that perfection in love through Christ, there is no fear. There is no fear. It says it right here. It's the Bible. It's true. Okay? That, that, that should encourage us. The love of Christ that we experience, it enables us to love others in ways that, that we couldn't on our own. And maybe maybe some of you are in here and you, you don't have a relationship with Christ, and, and so it's hard to achieve any sort of closeness with Christ when you don't even have a relationship. I would encourage you, um, if you haven't been perfected in love, as this verse says, and, and accepted. Uh, the gospel of Jesus, that, that you would uh, do that. that. If you have questions, you can write on your connection card, just you have questions for the pastor or that you want to talk more about that. We would love to help you understand what, what the gospel means, what it means for your life, the good news of Jesus coming to to rescue us from our sin and repair that vertical relationship so that we can have uh, uh, good relationships with others and, and restore our relationship with God. So as we close today, I um, I, I hope this gives you something to think about. I know it's given me a lot to, to think about and assess in my own life um, because sometimes, it, like I said, it, it's hard to diagnose in some ways because sometimes we can just live life okay, but, but God doesn't want us just to live an okay life with okay relationships and mediocre, you know, well, I'm not fighting with anybody at the moment, I think, so I think I'm okay. No, we, he wants more for us. He, he created us, he created us for more. And so I hope you, you will pursue that and really rest in his love and his grace and mercy. So let's pray together. Father God, we, we thank you for your son Jesus and, and um, how he makes it all worth it. God, the, the risks that we have to take. Um, God, we thank you that we can take these small risks because Jesus already risked it all and he gave it all on the cross. God, we, we thank you um, just for the rewards that, that we can experience in this life and in the life to come. God, the the reassurance and trust uh, that are found there. Uh, God, the the richness that we can experience in relationships with others, and whether that's our our marriages or our families, friends, our children. God, we we thank you for just the the many ways that you teach us to, to know you and to be more like you. Help us to do that in greater ways as we encourage one another. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.